Afternoon, this is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Welcome back. It's Thank been you. A, it's been a, a minute. A few days. A week. Well, Monday holiday. Break. Yeah, yeah, that must be nice. Um, So this is the local coronavirus update. It is a call-in show. We're going to give a little update on the local coronavirus news and numbers, and then we will open up the phone lines for your calls. So... We should have plenty of time for calls. Because there's no news. The I was, was going to ask you. It, it feels very static right now. They just say that we're in a wall, which is good in a way. Um, the numbers are still chugging along. We're adding about 20 people a day in the county of Mendocino. We're up to 3,743. Our positivity rate really hasn't budged at all. It's just a tick over 7.5% huh. positive. We still have around 350 people uh, in the county in isolation or in quarantine. Currently, hospitalization is a little bit higher than it had been uh, previously. We're at 14 uh, total, two ICUs in the county, one additional death. Um, but statewide and nationally, even though things are kind of static in Mendocino County, things are looking much better elsewhere. So California, for example, is down over 50% in two-week average. Uh, we're under we're under uh, 10,000 cases a day in California, which still sounds like a lot, and it is. It's it's still um, around the very peak that we were seeing the end of July, early August. But compared to the peak of late December, it's much, much, much better. Um, we're pushing up toward 50,000 um, deaths just in the state of California, and I think by this week, next time, we'll have crossed one half a million uh, U.S. deaths from COVID um, in really less than a year. Um, so World War II level casualties um, in a 11-month war is kind of what we're looking at right now. If I had it come on a year ago uh, when we started this and said we'd had a half million people dead in this country, even with everything that we would have um, you know, anticipated putting into place, it would have been, you know, even grim for me to predict that. Unimaginable. I think. Yeah. I. Th I think I remember overestimating that that two hundred and fifty thousand people could be lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, back in March and April, I, I forget which month it was, but there was some prediction finally that it was going to be over a hundred thousand right. deaths, remember? and that was considered to be astonishing at that point. It was clearly an underestimate when they finally came up with that, but um, that was the first time we'd heard a number like that from the administration. Nationally, uh, we are still doing quite well as well, down 40% over two weeks. Uh, hospitalization rates um, statewide and nationally are under control. Um, Vaccines are really the thing on everybody's mind. The supply issue is still the problem. Um, there's some national narrative about there not being enough vaccinators, uh, which is frankly absurd. And I think part of it's being driven by policy uh, people rather than the actual people given the vaccines. I've, you know, I've, I have heard uh, people on the radio saying they can administer four shots an hour, which is really just a very sluggish pace indeed. I think most of these vaccine clinics are averaging around 40 to 50 to 60 uh, patients an hour per um, mini team. Um, so, you know, the, the the rate limiting step right now is not the vaccinators, it's the supply. And the supply is constricted indeed. Um, the national production has tri trickled upwards slightly. Um, we are almost at um, 2 million doses um, being released a day. 
um, just from the Pfizer and the Moderna. That's enough, obviously, for about a million people to be vaccinated a day in this country. But that's still going to take 330 days uh, to get everybody vaccinated in this country. Now, obviously, we've vaccinated uh, around 10% of the country um, with at least one shot. So we're down to only 300 million people and kids aren't going to get it until sometime late this summer most likely so that's another 40 million people you can take off but we're still talking 250 days at this current rate of production production is going to improve but not until probably april may so it's going to be a long slow spring but fortunately the huge surge has abated for now Well, and I think everybody, their direct experience of this is uh, if you haven't already gotten your shots, you're wondering how to find out if you're eligible, you're wondering how to get signed up, you may be one of those people who logged on to the uh, CVS website, find you know after after learning that Ukiah is going to offer some some pharmacies, some local drugstores in Ukiah are offering, but you log on, you try to sign up all of the slots are filled or they're not offering it anymore. So you log on again and you log on again. And some people are, are having some luck that way. Some. Other people are um, able to to get it through the vaccinatemendo.com website. Seem right. to be having some luck with that. Yes. And then there are the five, five or six um, federally qualified health centers around the county that have their list of people who are eligible, which is, you know, currently um, 75 and up. The statewide average, uh, statewide rule is 65 and up. But here in Mendocino County, the health centers are still holding to 75 and up until they get through all the people, which at the rate that vaccines arriving in Mendocino County might be several more weeks. Right. But it's confusing because there's also the VA and there's consolidated health and there are the pharmacies. And so, So there's just so many different um, ways that the vaccine is arriving in very small quantities that it really can create a lot of angst. Yeah, and that this week seems in particular to be a very small quantity week. As I was doing my research trying to figure out how to let you know about all of the vaccine opportunities in the county, uh, there's just not a lot going on. A lot of second doses, but for like 100 here and 100 there. So Mendocino County Public Health. Uh, is holding a second-dose Pfizer clinic on Thursday. That's tomorrow at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. It's available to anyone who had their first Pfizer dose at the fairgrounds January 27th, 28th, or it says 19th, but I think that must be 29th. Uh, Visit MendocinoCounty.org to schedule an appointment, but I did look and they're all full. So uh, at least people are getting their appointments. Yeah. And, and the second doses are arriving. I mean, the state has been quite good at getting the second doses in, and they are all pre-allocated. So it's not as though doses come into a clinic and they th- try to decide whether to use it as first or second uh-huh. doses. Those are those are allocated and assigned as such. The Ukiah VA clinic. We got a tip today that they are. Uh, vaccinating veterans 65 and older who are already patients there at the Ukiah VA, depending on the vaccine ability, again, that bottleneck. The clinic is texting and calling vets who are in their system who are eligible. And note, they are not leaving messages for people because there just aren't that many vaccines. So you'll have to pick up your phone when they call in order to get that call. Um, Anderson Valley Health Center has a, a first dose event tomorrow, and they're contacting people who are already there their patients, uh, and that's a Moderna first dose. And then there's they're doing some second doses this week as well. Uh, Mendocino Coast Clinics are also having a second dose 
Pfizer event on Friday. They haven't been alerted about the availability of any first doses yet this week. And these are um, going to their patients. They'll be calling people who have had their first dose to schedule, and they're also using vaccinatemendo.com. And then, let's see, oh, Adventist is having a vaccine clinic for 70 and up, for age 70 and up. So they're kind of <laughs> splitting, splitting the baby 67 there. 67 and a half. <laughs> Born yeah. before March. Yeah. but yeah. Um, And so vaccine clinic for 70 and up. That's also tomorrow. That's from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Fort Bragg at the CV Star Center. You can sign up at Adventist Sign Up Genius page, which I looked. There's a, like a little place you can search on Sign Up Genius because it's a really long kind of inscrutable website. But uh, the 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 link to the website. But you can go to Sign Up Genius and search for Adventist, or you can go to their Facebook page and find the link there. If you don't have computer access, they will have a limited number of walk-in tickets for 70 and up and they're going to start giving those away on site at 8 a.m and that's first come first serve so get on down there tomorrow tomorrow morning 8 a.m cv star center in fort bragg that's what i that's what i could find and the other news i guess locally is that um ukiah schools schools are opening yesterday for very very small people for the littlest yeah the preschool through two through second grade so and they're opening to hybrid instruction um they're going to be having the older kids uh, start next week. They're scheduling to open grades three to six in Ukiah. And, but there's no dates for the seventh graders and up because we have to be in the red tier before we start talking about that. And we're still right in the purple tier. Yeah, we, I, I expect that the state's going to revise their tier um, holding back of schools, particularly since the CDC finally weighed in on the need to open up schools and sort of some milk toast sort of recommendations as to how to do it safely nothing that anybody doesn't already know um they were fairly weak recommendations or guidance uh, standards as well but at any rate they finally did say maybe we should reopen schools so we'll see we'll see how quickly the state of california can move on this yeah so things are changing a little bit slowly some progress slowly. yeah um yeah anything else before we open up the phone lines? I think we can open up phone lines and see what's on people's minds. Great. I also want to mention that, um, speaking of schools and schools opening, Dr. Casey Johnston, the pediatrician, is going to be on for a special public affairs show tomorrow at this time from 3 to 4 o'clock. It's a call-in show. And it is about how kids and teens are doing during the pandemic and how you can help them. Um, And she's going to be joined by Ben Anderson, who's a behavioral health director at MCHC. They're going to be talking about children's emotional health during the pandemic, providing resources and strategies to help and uh, we'll be taking phone calls so let's go ahead and take our first call the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448 that's 895-2448 good afternoon caller you're live on the air hi um i'm calling from willard i'm 71 years old and i actually got a um, vaccine today in Adventist uh, in Ukiah. They had a big clinic there today for 65 and older. Um, but anyway, I had some questions about the virus related to being vaccinated. Um, are you there? I am here, yes. Go ahead. Okay, good. Um, so I was wondering what the latest information is on um, the trans transmittal of a virus from someone who's been vaccinated, fully vaccinated. 
Yeah, so we don't, there haven't yet been good studies published on this. Um, it's certainly a question that we are all wanting to have answered. Um, the the presumption um, is that some people will still occasionally transmit the virus, even if they're fully vaccinated, simply because we know that the vaccine is not 100% effective, right? I mean, in these big clinical trials, they were shown to be somewhere between 90 and 95% effective um, at preventing COVID illness, um, 100% effective at preventing severe COVID illness, which is astonishing. But even um, with that 95%, that means one in 20 people is going to get COVID in some symptomatic type of way. And if they do have COVID, then we can presume that they can transmit COVID, perhaps at a lower um, level of contagiousness, but we really don't have that data yet. Okay. So that was my other question, whether it would be a lesser strength it, it, it may be and we really just don't know yet um and you know yeah. the question on a lot of people's minds just to anticipate you know the next call or perhaps your next question is is it okay for me to get together with other people if we are all collectively fully vaccinated and the you know the public health answer to that is going to be no um but the personal question to that may require some weighing of risk so if you're fully vaccinated and you haven't seen you know your sister who's fully vaccinated in the same sort of risk category the chance particularly if you have both been sheltering in place of you each had or either one of you having asymptomatic covid and transmitting it starts to become vanishingly small that, that's going to be a very rare type of event um um, and so it's a, it's a question that I think each of us is going to have to make in an individual uh, manner. Now, obviously, the general recommendation is even if you're fully vaccinated, you're still going to need to follow the five COVID rules and stay away from people, wear your mask, don't do anything that's non-essential until the numbers go down. But in individual sort of family get-togethers, it might be okay uh, for you to get together with other people who are fully vaccinated and asymptomatic. Um, that's... You know, that's an individual risk assessment. There will be some risk involved. But, you know, as this has been grinding on for a year and as we've been seeing from all of our mental health strain, um, there's risk involved with just staying shut up as well. Okay. Well, this involves me seeing newborn babies. I have two, two coming in the next few months, so I'm trying to be very careful. The, the other thing I was wondering is can you be tested to see if you're a carrier? You can. Like, for instance, if I was going to so, New England, could I be tested and to find out if I am a carrier or not? Well, the, the problem is you're really only going to be trans... It's not like this is, you know, carrier as in, you know, HIV or hepatitis. You don't have sort of this latent carrier status. Um, it's not like typhoid, for example, where you can go work in a restaurant and give everybody typhoid. Um, but it's very difficult to test oneself to be... Um, certain that you don't have asymptomatic COVID. It's just a, it's, there's no way that you can do adequate testing. So for you personally and for other people in a similar predicament, if you want to see your young grandkids, um, you know, two months from now, the safe and sane thing to do would be to self-quarantine for two weeks. You know, really okay. just shut up okay. in your house uh, with food and don't go out. You're not going to get COVID from your own house. If that's possible, okay. then the risk of your bringing it to the baby is vanishingly small. And frankly, we don't really see a lot of infantile covid anyway so yeah. um that's that that would be quite safe and a reasonable solution for this predicament 
Okay. And it's a two-week quarantine. I didn't know it was that long. I thought it'd be a Yeah, it, they have shortened it to 10 days. Um, you know, if you, if you want to be really zealous, it's a conversation you could have with your family members. Um, so... You know, seven to ten days is probably okay, particularly if you get a COVID test in the middle of that and you are quite diligent about not going out for groceries. If you really want to be an overachiever, stretch it to two weeks. Okay. All right. Okay, All great. Right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the call. Okay. Bye-bye. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Great. Um, should I ask my question now? Yep. Okay, so I'm calling for a friend of mine who lives up in Washington who has had both of her shots, and um, he has uh, had no response whatsoever. She hasn't had a, uh, she hasn't had a sore arm. She hasn't felt uh, in any way under the weather. And so she's worried about this because she thinks maybe she's not going to get vaccinated. And unfortunately for her, she doesn't have KZYX to call. So I told her I'd call you and Dr. Drew. Yeah, and so, so I'll take my uh, answer off the air if that will help. Sure. So that that's a good question. Um, presumably this friend of yours, well, perhaps this friend of yours is uh, 75 and up or perhaps 65 and up. I'm not sure where they are in Washington in terms of the tiered status. But what we are seeing is that the uh, more elderly are having much less of a response to the vaccine, fewer effects, fewer side effects, if you will, from the vaccine, either the first or second dose. Um, and even in younger people, uh, my peer group, there's a significant, um, if not bare majority, certainly a significant minority of people who just have no side effects whatsoever. Um, so that doesn't mean that the vaccine was not is not working um, or has not conferred immunity. Um, um, and there's really no need to be anxious about the absence of a response. Um, that That's totally normal, and that happens um, in a significant fraction of the people who receive the vaccine. So tell your friend that they're very good at making sure that this vaccine is handled appropriately, um, and her lack of response does not mean that she has not developed immunity um, to COVID. Now, again, I want to emphasize this. It's not complete immunity. You are no, you are not now, you know, COVID proofed. You can still get COVID. There will be some people who get COVID quite, um, you know, severely. Um, there will probably be some people who have been fully immunized um, with full immunity who get COVID and end up in the ICU on ventilators and perhaps even die. That's, you know, that will happen. It's going to be quite rare, but, you know, just, just make sure that we're all on the same page here. The vaccine does not mean you are free of COVID, uh, free of COVID risk. It's, it's still there. It's attenuated considerably, but it's still there. I want to be like your friend. If I ever vaccinated. get this vaccine, or yes, vaccinated for sure, but I also want to not have that yucky reaction because it seems like it can be pretty intense. It's not that bad. It's for, it's, for, it's 24 hours of flu symptoms for most people yeah. who have a reaction. It's like one of those things where I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, not, you know, it's not awesome. Um, okay, we have an email question, a question that I, I sh- share with the listener. Should we consider getting tested for COVID periodically or perhaps before a visit? We need to keep getting tested, right? Yes. So testing is always advisable, um, both on an individual basis and on a public health basis. The county certainly needs people showing up for testing, um, you know, as much as possible. Our testing numbers in this county are, you know, marginally okay and have been marginally okay for a couple months. 
people have now switched their source of anxiety, their COVID-related anxiety, from testing to vaccinating, which is understandable. Um, but yes, get tested. It doesn't, unfortunately, really change the risk. And as we've seen both in the White House and all, a lot of these other sort of big events, you can only do so much with negative testing, even really sort of robust, uh, frequent negative testing can't really allow you to test yourself out of the risk of transmitting COVID. Um, I just want to see that curve start to bend down as we get you it know, is, more and more people it vaccinated. Is, it is bending down. It's coming down sharply. We've been talking it's about free it for a year. I know. Almost exactly. Okay. Well, keep in mind, keep in mind that the whole reason of shutting things down and sheltering in place was to conserve hospital resources um, and flattening the curve, not really you know, lowering the number of cases over the long term, but preventing the huge surging peak that overwhelmed hospitals, both in New York and in Southern California just a month ago. And, you know, we haven't gotten to that experience yet. We've certainly had a lot of COVID morbidity and mortality in this county, but it hasn't occurred because our healthcare system has been overwhelmed, which is kind of the whole purpose of a lot of what we did before we had a vaccine. And now we're just trying to coast until we get adequate vaccination numbers. Yeah, let's do that. That'll be on the to-do list. We just need to deal with the 27% of people in this country who will, who say they do not want the vaccine. That's a lot. That, that, That would prevent herd immunity. Really? Mm. Well, okay. Well, they'll come around. Let's have another they'll show. Come around. Let's have yeah. another show yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, it's eight nine five two four four eight. That's seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. We also have variants, of course. Yes. Um, let's take another call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, Alicia. It's Jerry here. Oh, hey, Jerry. Hi. Yeah, I wanted to give a cautionary uh, tale to everyone. Uh, I got a sign up. Uh, in Lake County yesterday via myturn.gov, uh, the state site, I think. And I drove all the way over to Lake County, and they were only vaccinating people in Lake County. So uh, it was a glitch with the website where they allowed me to sign up. So I had a very lovely drive to Lakeport uh, for nothing and a very lovely drive back. Uh, I just wanted people to know uh, that if they're in Mendocino County and they think they could sign up for a, a shop in Lake County, you can't. Yeah, uh, people they were very nice about it, but uh, they would not give me a shop. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think that's good advice. I, the counties are getting the allotment from the state according to each county's population. Um, so if people start driving from one county to another trying to secure a shot, it's going to really um, mess up um, any sort of state allocation um, and tracking. So yes, stay in county, um, get your vaccine through one of these multiple, um, somewhat layered um, clinics or options, but. You know, traveling out of county or even out of state, I don't think is advisable, at least here in California. All right. Good to know. I did see someone talking about trying to get signed up with a pharmacy in Sacramento as well. And I know people with Kaiser and Sutter, they're kind of having to travel to get their shots. So, Yeah, and, you know, Kaiser and Sutter, I mean, Kaiser has its own sort of network. And much like Adventist, they are getting vaccines. So if you're a Kaiser patient, um, it definitely makes sense to contact Kaiser through their website and find out when and where you might be eligible. Um, But that's not through a through a county-run or a state-run vaccine center. That's through a private hospital system. Right. All right, let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. 
Hi. Um, I wanted to ask about, um, well, first, thanks for the show. I wanted to ask about uh, elderly people with underlying conditions such as breathing problems and heart problems, etc. Um, I was waiting for the Johnson vaccine because it was a single dose and I was concerned. And then I hear you say today that um, the elderly seem to be taking it better. So now I'm a little confused. Could I have a comment on that, please? Yeah, so we don't really have great experience yet with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. That has not yet received uh, emergency use authorization. It will probably come down uh, either by the end of the month or early March. In your case, particularly if you have a couple of risk factors, and if you are over 75 or over 65, then I would certainly um, make certain that you are signed up um, with you know multiple options here in the county to get one of these two vaccines. You unfortunately don't really have much of a choice as to which one it is, but it really doesn't matter. They are more or less interchangeable, both in their side effect profile, efficacy, um, as well as you know their dosing, which is almost the same. So I, I would not encourage you to hold off um, for the Johnson & Johnson. There's really no evidence to suggest that it's going to have um, fewer side effects and the side effects from these two vaccines is it's it's quite tolerable let's just say that I, I really don't want people to become too anxious about that or decide that it's better to have COVID this is a carefully modulated dose that um, produces a um, you know a well um, described and well understood immune response in our body compared to the chaos that the actual COVID virus creates in our body. So it's a it's a much more controlled um, immune response, which is well tolerated by just about everybody. And you know there are of course very rare anaphylactic reactions. Those are going to occur within minutes of your getting the shot, and which is, this is why we're watching people for 15 minutes or 30 minutes at the vaccine sites. Um, but otherwise, get the shot. It's it's totally totally worth it and quite well tolerated. Well, I thank you. Um, I'm still confused. <laughs> but, what what what's the source you of your know, confusion? I'm sorry. Uh, I'll think about it more seriously than I did. I was just automatically waiting for a single dose just because I felt I could take care of the first dose without too many problems. But I was nervous about the second dose because I heard stories of people having to take to their beds, etc., yeah, and the, the, there are some people who, you know, feel kind of flu-like for 24. I know a couple of people who had flu-like symptoms for 48 hours. You know, you take Tylenol, you take ibuprofen, you sleep it off, and, you know, within 24 hours you're, you're up and you're or at that point well on your way to immunity. It should also be noted um, that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the single-dose formulation does not appear to be quite as effective as the two-dose Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. So you would be getting... Perhaps a higher level of immunity from the two available vaccines than from the single dose Johnson and Johnson that probably won't be arriving in this county until mm, I don't know maybe late April 
it's going to be a while. So you're, you're looking at quite a wait. Um, so I would, particularly if you're eligible, I would sign up now for what may still be a bit of a wait. Well, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. And those of us who love you would love for you to get those shots. <laughs> so please don't wait. Yes. Um, all right. Let's take our last call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, fine. Thank you. Um, Listen, this is not about the usual question, but I had heard something on the radio a week ago about research done at UCSF in San Francisco, and it was regarding a nasal spray. So this morning I looked up, uh, I tried to get the most accurate, up-to-date information, and they have come up with a nasal spray that prevents the COVID from going into the lung tissue and lung cells. Do you know of that, Dr. Drew? I do, yes. And that that's actually still very early in the um, testing phases. Um, I, I think it's primarily, I haven't looked at the sort of progress on this for several weeks or longer, but last I saw it had mostly been tested, I believe it was in civets um, rather than in human subjects, which is to say it's a long way from deployment. Um, I think we will have largely vaccinated our way out of this pandemic before that could actually arrive. But it's a it's a fantastic concept, um, and well, it's. Well, I'd like to say that because a it's very cheap to produce. Yes. It can be powdered and sent all over the world, and it doesn't matter how infectious that the COVID got, it will stop it from right. going into the lung tissue. Right. So they're looking for money. I just looked at it this morning to see where they were at. Yeah. They're looking. Of course, they're looking for people to invest. How are they going to get money? otherwise well, and all the money's going into vaccinations which is good but i just wanted to put it out there that these guys these these doctors have done a, a incredible job of finding something like this yeah no it, it, it's really quite astonishingly interesting and you know it will you know it will have the potential um mm-hmm. for developing country deployment it will also yes. Um, potentially uh, be utilized in this country if we start to see uh, particularly virulent um, new strains emerging over the course of the next, you know, 6 to 12 to 18 months. We don't know that, and we don't know whether, um, you know, vaccines can be tweaked fast enough to keep up if that were to happen. Um, But the potential, um, both uh, nationally and internationally, for something like this is is quite um, palpable. It is. It's wonderful. Anyway, I just wanted to ask you if you knew of anything of it, but um, I I didn't read if they were doing human subject trials, but I thought they were. But anyway, yes, that's something for us to hang on to also. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Drew. I like your program. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the call. And I had no idea there were enough civets in the world to to test. This is from memory. It may be some other sort of small furry animal. Okay. Well, learn something new every day. Well, and I wonder, too, if if they get something like that, if they'll start requiring it on flights or something weird like that. I don't know. It's an interesting thought, right? Just a little little spray in the nose to block COVID transmission for an airline flight. And we're good. Yeah. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the coronavirus update for the day. I will be back Monday. Monday. Yes. Monday from 3 to 3.30, so uh, write down your questions and call up then from 3 to 3.30. We will be back, hopefully with no more news. I will let you know I'm starting work tonight, tomorrow morning. Oh, okay, so you're back in the ER. Okay, so we'll get a, an insider look, or an insider report on how things are going at the Ukiah ER. That's always 
good. Such as it is, yes. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank and, you, Alicia. Thank you, callers. And thank you, everybody, for calling and for listening. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Uh, thank, this has been the local coronavirus update, and we will be back again on Monday. And again. And again. And again. And again. <laughs> We're closing in on one year. You are right. Yeah. We'll have to do something to celebrate. Maybe not come in. <laughs> Take the day off. Um, okay. We are going to join TUC Radio. It's just getting started, about 30 seconds in. Enjoy and have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.